0: It's The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Green, Gardening, and Environment Radio, flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome on Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter.
1: Good planets are hard to find, temperate
0: zones and climbs. True currents and thriving
1: seas, wind blowing, through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find.
0: Good planets are in the main. Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect there. And here they are Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova.
1: Good planets <laughs> are in the main the latency's better. Oh, is it? It's uh we well, still this down. delayed, but it's Oh yeah. So here's what I'm going to do. Oh, you've got the jingle bells there too. Good for you. Um I've got that bell. Welcome to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki, a radio program on the internet uh, this morning. Um and we're very pleased to we got a, and the, and the reason it's so frustrating is that we have such a great lineup. Uh, on, on the show today, um, we uh, if you went to the website, and I encourage you, always go to the website and check out the blog uh, at m i k e n o w a k mikenowa net, And uh, I titled it uh, Three Environmental Concerns, or as uh, Bill Curtis would say, environmental Environment environmental Uh, and um it's when you when you look at the world and and the changes that we're just about to have in our own government and um all of the uh nonsense let's put it that way that's been going on for the past four years in terms of our environment and the gutting of our our institutions like the epa and the interior department and everything else you think Boy, how, how do you break it down? How do you even start with uh, what needs to be fixed on this planet? And I guess the way you do it is you address these things one issue at a time. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to address one issue at a time, and we're going to start with uh, a couple of folks who have been working on, uh, I guess, a problem uh, down um, downstate, uh, we have exactly one nationally designated scenic river uh, in Illinois, and that is the Vermilion. And so, at this point, let me bring in our two guests uh, for the show. And uh, you're not going to again you're you're not going to see them uh, because they are uh, just uh, having their audio broadcast. Um, and uh, they are Jenny Castle. She's a staff attorney with Earth Justice. Uh, she works in the coal program out of Earth Justice's new Midwest office in Chicago. Uh, and we have Andrew Rain. Uh He is a water resources engineer with Prairie Rivers Network. Uh, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Glad
0: to be morning. here.
1: I'm glad I can have you here in any way, shape, or form. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe uh, Andrew, you've been on the program before, and we've talked about this this particular issue because there's a lot of groups uh, who are working because uh, there there is was a coal uh, power plant uh, at uh, on the Vermillion uh, that operated for many years, about 55 years, um, and it uh has a legacy and perhaps we'll start with you. Uh although let me ask you, which of you would like to sort of outline uh the the story down there? Uh I thought Andrew maybe
2: maybe you would with Prairie Rivers. Yeah, I think I can talk about the, the middle fork and, and uh how how it's becoming it, the middle fork of the vermilion river that is uh, right we're talking about the middle fork and, of the
1: vermilion and, river in uh, in downstate yep. illinois and as i said designated as uh, a, a a national scenic river and it's the only one in the state of illinois right
2: yeah so uh 17 miles of of this river designated and uh that that 17 mile stretch is uh, entirely public land uh it's, it's sort of a a mishmash of, of uh, county parks and state parks, uh, f- except for one exception, which is the uh, closed Vermilion power station that's uh, located at maybe more or less halfway uh, down this stretch of the river that's protected. And uh, that power station closed in 2011. Uh, it operated since the uh, 1950s. And uh, it's got these three huge uh, coal ash ponds that are sitting um, down in the floodplain of the river. So it's up on the bluff, but the ash is all down uh, next to the river uh, and, and and immediately next to it. Um, so while we have this amazing National Scenic River, uh, we've got this huge pollution problem just sitting on the riverbanks.
1: Uh, yeah, and uh, they're called Legacy uh, Ponds, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. I found uh, an article uh, at... Uh, earth justice and we'll get to uh jenny in in just a second um and uh a woman named uh, lisa evans and i imagine you work with her uh jenny um wrote uh on the website at earth justice she said legacy ponds are the walking dead of the coal ash universe toxic waste sites that live long after coal plants have closed slipping through regulatory cracks as they continue to poison communities. Um, w- would you comment on that, uh, Jennifer Castle?
0: Sure. Uh, One technical challenge, Mike. I'm actually able to hear Andrew, so I don't know anything that <laughs> he like just said. So I'm trying to out a way to do that. Um, but with regards to privacy, I'm sure, yeah, there you're right, I do work with her, um, and uh, it, the issue is widespread. There are a lot of old um, ash ponds that coal plants had shut down before the, um, the federal rule went into effect in October 2015. were um, unregulated, like this vermilion plant, um, and the problem with these old ponds is they're often interesting. Even than ponds that are operating in terms of, you know, decades old, not having any sort of adequate. Uh, okay,
1: I, I, Jen, I'm going to have to stop you there. You're uh, breaking up something fierce, um, and um, uh, and, I, boy, I'm not sure that this is going to work with you here. So let's let's go back to, uh, uh, for the moment, at any rate, uh, Andrew. Um, and, and, and talk about that legacy, those legacy ponds. Uh, there are three of them in the area of the Vermilion, as you said, on the floodplain of the Vermilion River. And they are um, mm-hmm. ponds that, they're already leaking into the river, aren't they?
2: Yep. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the pond, is it's kind of a, an odd term. Uh, to give a sense of scale uh there's three of them one of them the north ash pond is about 30 uh acres in in sort of you know area um and it's got mm-hmm. uh i think 2 million uh or 1. Point, sorry 1.6 million cubic yards of coal ash and i know that's not a very uh sort of understandable number in some ways but um these are these are pretty massive um the other thing to think about when you think about a and, lot of coal deep, ash and they're deep too it's, they're they're super deep they're just they just uh they built they built kind of a, a berm and then they started filling in that hole with ash so they're they're just piles of ash uh there's not anything uh there's not a lot of fancy technology going on here uh they they're called the pond because uh they once upon a time had standing water and the intention was to let all the the bad stuff settle out, and then you take water off the top that's cleaner, and you have to discharge that through your permit. Um, so that's how these operate. Mm-hmm. Now, because they're just whole, just pits filled with ash, um, they're in immediate contact with the groundwater. Um, and these coal ash ponds are right next to the Middle Fork. And so when you canoe down the river, you can actually see a long portion of the riverbank that's uh, that's orange, uh, stained orange, which is oxidizing iron, uh, which is one of the things that's in coal ash. Um, and probably about 100, 200 feet of it on of the riverbank is, is, is sort of continually uh, seeping this pollution into the water. And that's just sort of what we're seeing. Um, but we know it can mm-hmm. also be coming up through into the river itself from below. You just don't get that telltale, uh, you know, orange staining. On the riverbank that really calls it out to the eye um so these are these are immediately right there go ahead
0: i was going to ask andrew sorry if the if the leaching is strictly all coming from inside the pond or is it being amplified by um the riverbank eroding and being cut back
2: yeah so that that's sort of the the two-part threat of this site is that Um, not only do we have the continual problem, the continual pollution that we're getting from uh, groundwater flow that's happening, um, you know, all the time, uh, but we have this eroding riverbank. So rivers, uh, especially rivers like the Middle Fork that size, do a lot of uh, meandering. They, They have a sort of floodplain that they have lived in for geological time, you know, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. And they are uh, uh, swinging sort of back and forth in that floodplain, and since these coal ash ponds live in the floodplain of the middle fork it's it's currently moving out towards them um, and it's really close in some areas uh, so uh, I go out multiple times a year just to to take a look and see you know how far this erosion uh, of the the riverbank has progressed because the the distance between when you go from riverbank to Part of the coal ash pond that is the berm, the the, the impoundment, the structural part that's keeping mm-hmm. all that coal ash back, uh, is is down to to feet. Here we're talking about you know um, you know ten, wow. twenty less feet, um, and mm-hmm. so that river has been it's steadily moving. Um, and you know what we're all fearing is a uh, sort of a massive erosion event that 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 jumps this remaining distance in in one year. Um, but but even as we fear that we know that every you know every year i go back and everything looks a little different um there's things that that were a cave last year that collapsed or there are things that uh new features there's a, there's a pipe there's some sort of pipe that's under this whole thing that is slowly being uh unearthed um mm-hmm. a clay tile so it's probably from back in the 40s when this was being farmed so wow. there's all kinds of uh you know Interesting but very scary situations uh along this riverbank here yeah
1: it does it does sound uh disturbing and you've taken lots of photographs and and um I've got one of them up on uh, the website on the blog post um, and it shows the 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 different chemicals that are seeping. Uh, along into the river, along the river bank, and it causes them to turn bright colors, which might be pretty. Uh, but it's it's in a way it's it's terrifying because it's an indication that the health of the river is in danger. Do you know right now how much how many or how much of those chemicals are leaching into the river? You must be doing tests.
2: Well, we, we've we done tests. Uh, we don't we don't have a test uh right now but we have multiple uh multiple constituents across the spectrum that you see in coal ash are um above the uh the the contaminant level um and i without having jenny on and the ability to because jenny is in fact my lawyer on this issue um the uh Without her being able to respond, you know, the, it's just to say there, there's a lot a lot of different things that is found in coal ash. Thing, heavy metals, things like uh, arsenic or chromium, uh, things like boron, things like uh, vanadium. Just, it, It's really kind of a, a smorgasbord. And we have uh, multiple different parameters that are uh, above the, uh, the the level that's allowed to be discharged into so now, to... in the rivers. And I have to... Yeah, I was just
1: going to say, and I apologize, I I called Jenny just now on the phone, um, and I thought maybe I could hold up the phone. We've done this in the past uh, with the speaker uh, to the microphone here, but the problem is uh, you – the conversation we're having with you is – it's almost in the past. It's it's odd. It's you know she was in real time on the phone and you we have a latency even with the audio here, so uh, it wouldn't have synced up. Um, and the other point is that Earth Justice is an organization that provides lawyers for uh, for these kinds of environmental issues, which is why Prairie Rivers went to Earth Justice and said, "Hey, you need to represent us," um, and I know that you guys. Uh, uh uh had a lawsuit in in 2018 that was uh thrown out in 2019 by a district judge in Illinois mm-hmm. but that has been and this is where we would really need Jennifer to talk about this uh but the case is uh being taken up again this year because you're you're going to base your argument to have that uh judgment overturned uh, because of a U.S. Supreme Court ruling involving groundwater in Hawaii, of all things. Um, yeah, and- the County
0: of Maui versus Hawaii Wildlife Fund. Is the yeah, official- I can oh. say a
2: little bit about it. Sure. Jenny would, of course, more. But uh, yeah, so there was this case in, in Hawaii where um, they have, I think there were wastewater pits that, are, that were underground, um, and those were mm-hmm. uh, leaking pollution into uh, the Pacific ocean. Um, and uh, so this case went to the Supreme Court. The question that the Supreme Court was answering was, hey, does the Clean Water Act apply here? We have a pollution source. We have sur- waters of the state, which are typically understood to be surface waters. We have a pollution source impacting those surface waters. Uh, does the Clean Water Act apply? And so uh, from my non-legal perspective, we got, a, we got an answer. They didn't just say yes or no. They give us some sort of answer about, uh, you know, with, there's the test, uh, that looks at time and distance. Um, and that's how you decide if, if this applies or not. Uh, you know, for us, that's exciting because the Middle Fork is right next to these ponds. So exciting because, you know, this this water goes right from those ponds, like right into the river. I mean, you know, the, the separation is very, very small. So it really feels like we're the right fit, fit for this one. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's how, you know, why our sort of, uh, our legal battle was sort of waiting on this Supreme Court case uh, because however that was decided was going to really shape how it's going with us uh, and now that we have a decision we're arguing that you know we should go back to our, our district court we're in the appeals court now we should go back to our district court and be able to start start arguing again and actually you know here have our have our day in court hear the case um, and, and and get going well
1: that. you know and and speaking as a lay person on this uh and I, I if if I if I look at this issue and I hear that there's a a, a company like uh Dynagy, which is now no longer Dynagy, that these companies keep getting bought yeah. by other it's, companies. It's now Vistra. Vistra. Does that first of all, does that create a problem as these companies
2: get handed off? Andrew? Yeah. Um it it can you know i i guess it all kind of comes down to when when the the uh i don't know when the chips fall i'm not sure what the right expression here is um you know when when ultimately there's going to be large fiscal responsibility that's when we're going to we're going to find out whether these mm-hmm. sort of corporate structures are really going to bite us or when one of these companies ultimately goes bankrupt that's when we're going to find out whether these corporate structures are really uh going to leave the illinois uh, taxpayer holding the bag on all of this pollution. Um, and, and yeah. we last year passed the coal ash pollution prevention act. Um, and one of the big wins in that act is actually that, uh, coal companies have to have or coal power plant owning companies have to have, uh, money put up front, uh, in the form of bonds, uh, that, that can be used for, for cleanup of these ash ponds. So we know the money is is there, bonds and in, in some other mechanisms as well. Right. Um, but we have that. And, and I think. In, uh, and Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, just to put a little bit in context, that it's not just this one Dynogy plant on the vermilion. Um, you had written on up on your blog that Illinois EPA has identified 73 coal ash ponds at dozens of power plants across the whole state. So it's not just one. This is a much bigger problem in the state.
2: Yeah, there's about 24 uh, or 25 power plants that are either closed or open across the state with coal ash ponds. Um, and so that's a lot to track. Uh, even that number uh, was was different before because it's even hard to count uh, You know, what is a pond when two of them are next to each other with a barrier between them. Or um, so it, it, the, the scope of this problem is absolutely statewide. And to say that it's absolutely nationwide because there, there are coal ash ponds at probably every single coal fired power plant or if they're not, the coal ash was going from that power plant to some other place where it was being uh, dumped. So um, it's, it's a big problem in Illinois. And the Middle Fork has become um, sort of a, a eye opener uh, in many ways. Um, We have, we see our river right next to it. We have a chance to, to canoe that river and, and be up close against these ponds. And on, on your left have, you know, this beautiful uh, park area where, you know, oftentimes you're seeing all kinds of uh, animals just you know it's it's pretty uh removed there's not even often people there um mm-hmm. just nature preserved in its glory and on the right you have the coal ash ponds with the smokestack looming over them in the distance um so it really created this dark contrast that um helped us tell the story of this problem that really exists in uh dozens of places in the state
1: if if i uh, by the way we're talking to uh... Andrew Rain, water resources engineer with Prairie Rivers Network. Uh, as you can hear, we're talking about the threat to the Middle Fork of the Vermilion River in central Illinois uh, due to uh, a now retired coal plant coal, uh, and um, power plant that has uh, left behind the these ponds, these pits uh, that are just chock full of toxic coal ash. Uh, and uh, it's already beginning to seep into the river. And and we should know that in other states there have been catastrophes where there have been breaches, uh, notably in North Carolina. There was one a number of years ago uh, that released all kinds of coal ash and fouled 70 miles of river uh, in that state. So it could happen in Illinois uh, if this is not addressed. And, and And it... And it gets me back to what I was going to say before, which is as a layperson, I look and I say, okay, you've got coal ash. It's seeping into the river. uh, And yet we need the Supreme Court to tell us that um, there's, you know, A plus B equals C. Um, I look at it and I say, yeah, it's the coal ash is coming from those pits. It's going into the river. You're going to throw in something about, Oh well, it's uh, groundwater, so it really doesn't count. Um, th- I think the average person, Andrew, looks at that and said, "That's insane! This is this is this is uh, law taken to its most illogical extreme." That's the way I look at
2: it. I don't. How do you look at that? Yeah, I I, I guess I just you know I see companies trying to save money. Uh, as much as they can, and not pay for this cost that they've been putting on uh, the public for so long. Right? Pollution is this thing that uh, we're all bearing. Uh, we're all just accepting that this coal ash has to live next to the Middle Fork, uh, to the benefit of people who are uh, making a profit doing what they're doing. And so, uh, the absurdity, I think, comes from folks trying to, uh, you know, not pay for for what's due, and there's been, and there's mm-hmm. a lot due because these companies have for decades been sort of offloading this expense onto, onto people. Right. And they, they put it in this pit
1: and their goal here, if uh, you know, if, if the company isn't bought by yet another company, uh, <laughs> but they they want to do something that more than one person has referred to as cap and run. What is cap and run?
2: Yeah. So uh what, Companies want to do for the most part at, at these ponds is is cap them, which means put a, a layer on top of them that will stop rainfall from getting in um, and if you've heard mm-hmm. me talking about these ponds today uh, that that should seem a little off because again the, there's nothing below these ponds this is this is ash on dirt um, so when you when you put a cap on that, uh, it might help stop rainfall, but it's not going to stop all this groundwater that's there already. Uh, especially in the Middle Fork, where it is literally, you know, you have, when you approach the Middle Fork, you go from, like, flat farmland Illinois, and then you fall off a cliff into this river that's built a little floodplain down there. And the ash is down in that floodplain. So, you know, the farmland that's 80 feet above that that has water in the groundwater, that's all passing through this ash as it flows into the river. Um, so we know these caps don't want to work. And, and you know, the other thing that Dainogy would like to do is to just cover this riverbank, just concrete it over cover it in rocks, uh, as a way to, to, you know, stop the river from eroding, um, which would not only be a horrible eyesore, but in the long run, you know, we want this, this river to be around forever. You know, we're not just interested in protecting it until, uh, the, the, the river finds another way to meander around those rocks or come in from another direction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If the ash is at the river's home, it, the river is going to find a way to get to that ash, unfortunately. And we have to, we have to prevent that from happening.
1: And that's my point is uh, I don't know how uh, a company can argue, well, that if we capped it. Uh, I, can't, I can't account for other kinds of water from other, water from other sources coming and washing it into the river. No, that's not the way it works. You're responsible. You put it there, yeah. and <laughs> now it's leaking, and now you have to do something, which is get rid of it. That seems to me really clear, and yet you have to do this legal wrangling uh, about responsibility. We know who's responsible. It is the company who put the coal ash there in the first place, and if you bought that company, now you assume the responsibility. This is again, as a layperson, this is how I look at it. And when you when you try to dodge and weave, th- this is the worst of our court systems, if you ask me. When, uh, it, it, certainly, in terms of of environmental matters,
2: and and yeah, you don't it, 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 go ahead, Andrew yeah no it it absolutely can be frustrating and it's you know it's money in my mind that you know that it just that's what we right. value so, the,
1: the instead of paying lawyers, why don't you just put that money into solving the problem uh and and yeah. get it done um and so I'm hoping that uh, this case moves forward and that you're able to uh get some satisfaction out of it um and is, is there anything that people can do? Can they be writing in about
0: anything? Contacting
2: legislation or legislators? You know, uh, I think if you want to, you know, get on Earth Justice or Prairie Rivers Network's mailing list. I mean, this comes up all the time. We need people writing in about things, uh, and that's the best way to find out. So, you know, Facebook or you know, membership on on the websites, the newsletters. Um, we just. Yeah. Newsletters. We just finished uh, uh, the coal ash rulemaking in which we had people coming out, uh, well, in, virtually coming out to these hearings mm-hmm. to speak up for uh, strong coal ash protections. Um, so two months ago, I would have said, yeah, we got the perfect thing. But uh, we just kind of got <laughs> yeah. through a major periods uh, passed, but tune yeah. in Because it comes back, comes back. you know, we're, we're making calls to protect the Middle Fork and other uh, places from coal ash problems, you know, multiple times a year. So we just need folks to, to listen in. And and I would uh, call attention
1: to uh, other uh, allies that you have, the Eco Justice Collaborative, uh, Pam and Lan, Richard, who who they do a lot to get the word out this is part of what they do they they they, uh they rabble rouse and get folks uh involved in this and you have other partners um uh other environmental organizations so you're not going it alone There are a lot of people who are very very concerned about this and i would call attention to all of those uh there are various ways you can get involved and i think it would start by going to prairie rivers network go to earth justice go to eco justice collaborative um and they uh, outline the situation all of you guys outline the situation very well on your websites and 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 as you said stay in touch with social media in that uh will will help ensure that there actually is some kind of environmental justice
2: absolutely thank you so much for uh bringing up uh eco justice i was going i was going to do that myself if you didn't so they no, you been know part
1: I, of I, I i have to because we've had them on the show several times and we know how hard they're working and we can't have all the people on all the time who are involved in this issue uh, and i know the last time you were on the show you were on with uh eco justice collaborative so yes they're they're part of the solution too and of course uh earth justice is as well uh andrew rain thank you so much for being with us thanks so much all right. Have have a great Sunday. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki.